Thanks for listening to WBII New York, 99.5 FM and WBAI.org. This is Driving Forces, where we always bring you the deeper discussion about the issues and people shaping our community and our country. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston, here as always with my charismatic co-host, Jeff Simmons. Jeff, how are you? What's on your mind today? Well, I am feeling mighty, uh, mighty charismatic as well, Celeste. Uh, this has been, you know, a very busy week. I mean, you and I, we were off last week, if I'm correct, and uh, we would have been able to, uh, what, talk about the looming storm. Who would have predicted the chaos that would have erupted here in New York City at that time? Absolutely, Jeff. That was really, I mean, really startling stuff. And you're starting to see this all over, uh, all over the country, really, certainly up in Massachusetts, where, as you know, I spent some time, uh, you know, just dams being washed out, people being stranded, really, really sort of shocking, uh, shocking disruptions to uh, a lot of different places. Yeah, it's been incredible. I know that the uh, New York City controller said that he's now going to be doing an investigation into how even the city can handle this. Do people get enough notifications in advance? I mean, I have to tell you, over the last week, I've talked to a number of people. They seem to know that this was going to be a bad storm. But of course, I'm also talking about my neighborhood where we were not as impacted because, you know, throughout the day, we saw horrible images of cars being overwhelmed by flooding. There was a lot in Brooklyn on major highways. It was an incredible situation. And I'm sure this discussion is going to continue for quite some time about how the mayor handled this. This, by the way, is something that has dogged, as you know very well, Celeste, a number of mayors. Wasn't it Bloomberg who came under some, some serious fire about how he handled one of the major snowstorms or the lack thereof in their response? Yeah, I think that's something that certainly I remember covering that a major snowstorm in which uh, Mayor Bloomberg was not present. And I think there was a question of at least some point whether he was in Bermuda at the time. Uh, and, you know, they were very, very touchy at the time, Jeff. And I don't know if you'll recall this, but they were very touchy about his private schedule. And they tried to be very, um, they tried to be very protective at that point of his private schedule. And, uh, you know, we certainly have confronted this as well on um, uh, the presidential campaign trail, where we are always chasing around uh, candidates as pool reporters. And we always want to know every single movement that they make, even if it's not a public event, we would like to know where they're coming or going. And we certainly have run into that issue with various candidates. But Jeff, you know, I think at this point, we may, I think we're having a little bit of a technical difficulty, or at least I am. So I think uh, with the assistance of our kind engineer, Mr. Jacobs, I think we are actually going to uh, jump out into a very, very brief music break, try to get this resolved, and we'll be right back. Uh, Mr. Jacobs, if that would be okay, uh, if we have some music queued up, maybe we can just uh, take a moment and address this feedback issue, and then we can pat back onto the feed.
You're listening to WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. This is Driving Forces, and we are Celeste Katz-Marston and Jeff Simmons. And in just a moment, we are going to be joined by a guest that I know that you will be very, very interested to hear from. But first, we were uh, before our little tech break there, we were just uh, talking about some of the headlines. And Jeff, I don't know if you saw this, but I think you did this news flash that came over a bit earlier about Nancy Marks, the former campaign treasurer to Congressman George Santos, uh, pleading guilty to conspiring to defraud the government. And amongst other things, she said she participated in making it look like George Santos had loaned his campaign half a million dollars when he didn't and he couldn't have. And the uh, Associated Press has reported that Santos faces a 13-count federal indictment centered on charges of money laundering and lying to Congress in an earlier financial disclosure. And, you know, aside from what's going on here, I think this just raises a lot of bigger systemic issues about how our elected officials are vetted before they become our elected officials. And after all, it was a local newspaper. North Shore leader who raised a lot of questions about Santos while most everyone else wasn't paying attention. And by the way, Jeff, I know you might uh, share the sentiment. Shout out to everyone there fighting a good fight in local news because I can tell you from experience, and so can you, Jeff. It ain't easy, right? No, you are completely right. You know, what's so interesting here, and of course, I'm going to tease one of our upcoming shows in about another month or so. We're going to be bringing on an author who has a book coming out on George Santos. Can't wait to see uh, all the revelations that that has. We, I was connecting with the publisher about a week or so ago. We're going to also try to get you guys, our listeners, a few copies of the book also if you donate to WBAI. So uh, you definitely want to continue listening to this show. By the way, Celeste, the other thing that I really have been following has been what has been going on, not just here in New York City, as far as being able to address the issue of the surge of asylum seekers who are coming here, but what's going on along the border. And I don't know if you had, well, actually, I'm sure you did because you're more of a new than I am, but uh, about President, the President Biden's administration basically backing away from their hard line against expanding the border wall. It's sounding kind of Trumpian now, Celeste. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting that, you know, if you look at, and look, I know people have very strong feelings about the border wall, as they should on both sides, see what I did there, but uh, it's very interesting that for a long time, what we've been hearing from uh, President Biden and from a lot of the Democratic Party is that walls don't work, we don't want a wall, it's a waste of time, it's a waste of money, there's a better way to solve this problem, and unfortunately, and I really hope that people are going to call in about this later on, um, and we will give you the studio number in just a bit. But, uh, you know, what do you think? Uh, there are a lot of people who are very angry about building the wall, and the Democrats say, okay, we have to find a better way to do this. A wall isn't the answer. But if you look at what's happening with the migrant crisis, even right in New York City and in other places, um, you know, this is um, uh, this is something that we're going to have to confront. And I'm just interested to hear how people feel out there about the Democratic Party and about the president having said in the past, well, you know what, a wall, a wall ain't it. But now apparently a wall is, in fact, it, Jeff. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because even among Mayor Adams' administration, there's been some uh, mixed messaging, as if that's what we would call it. One of his chief advisors over the weekend had uh, said we should close the borders, if I'm correct. And then, of course, the administration had to back off of that. Now coming out earlier today, the city council's common sense caucus basically said secure uh, or, re or issued a statement that the country has to secure its borders 
to prevent the illegal movement of people, weapons, drugs, and contraband. So there's, this is a controversy that's not going to go away. It's also going to be a topic, Celeste, that, uh, I talk about more deeply on this coming, uh, this coming Sunday's City Watch show. Uh, so of course, you know, I want to put in a little plug there. I know you like when I do that. Um, but, you know, a lot going on in the news, as most of our folks know, our listeners probably know, if you follow the news, the mayor has headed to Mexico and South America to be able to uh, discuss these issues due back on Saturday night, if I'm correct. Uh, but I guess one of the messages is that they want to send is like, hey, don't come to New York. It's not going to be all, you know, what, what's the phrase? It's not going to be all roses. Uh, there's going to be a lot of issues here. Uh, you know, look at the the mayor's move to be able to uh, limit the n- amount of time that people will be able to stay in our shelter system. That alone might be dissuading people thinking, where am I going to be? I'm going to have to be living on the streets if I can't stay in the shelter system, Celeste. Right. I mean, that's the real question is where are people going to go? And I understand that we have, uh, we have a philosophical discussion in some way about where are we going to, uh, Put these people, where can we house these people? For how long are we responsible? Should we have a right to shelter policy? Is it fair to expect other communities in New York to help in some way with accommodating people coming in across the, uh, across the border, um, without papers, but are perhaps seeking asylum or escaping extreme poverty, violent crime, um, other oppressive, uh, other oppressive uh, problems in their home countries. Where, how, how are we going to do this? And a lot of people have said, well, the answer is that the federal government needs to step in. And that's fine. You know, that, that's fine. And, and I hope the federal government does step up much more than, uh, than in the past. But this is just, uh, absolutely, um, absolutely something that I think people are really passing the buck on. And I think that's extremely frustrating. Yeah, and I know that we also have another issue going here in New York City, and we're going to take a short break in just a few moments. But if our listeners have not followed the news today, unfortunately, there is another person who has been pronounced dead while in custody at Rikers Island. And this, uh, if I'm correct, this is the ninth person to die in custody this year. This basically comes out today the same day that the Federal Monitor issued another report in Rikers Island saying that the situation there is as grim as ever. So this is something you and I are going to have to follow as well, Celeste. Absolutely, Jeff. So I think we are going to go here to Plan B, and this is the uh, the joy and the adventure and the promise of live reading. We have a Plan B set up. Our engineer is setting this up right now. So what we're going to do is we're going to take one more very, very quick break, and then we are going to come back to a guest that I know you're going to want to not only hear from, but speak to directly because he will be taking your calls. So hang in there. This is WBAI New York.
Sounds like we may be in business. Welcome back. You are listening to WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. This is Driving Forces. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston here with Jeff Simmons. We want to thank you. Thank you for bearing with us through some of these tech issues. And you know what, Jeff, before we get to our guest, which I am very excited to do, and we're going to be uh, patching him in uh, right now. Um, I think, Jeff, this speaks to the fact that putting on continuous radio programming in in anywhere but in new york specifically is not an easy job this is not an easy thing to do and so to keep doing it and to do it well to do it smoothly to stay not only uh on the fm airwaves but uh streaming live everywhere worldwide we need your help so that's why please take a moment today go to wbai.org that is wbai.org give as generously as you can please become a bai buddy in the name of this program driving forces and support us with a sustaining contribution with the bai buddy program you can set up to give monthly in any amount you choose 20 bucks a month would be great 15 dollars a month would be great if you can give more that would be really, really great. But please go to WBAI.org today and check it out. You have any number of uh, excellent premiums you can choose from. We have all sorts of uh, historical materials. We have books. We have tote bags. We have lots of those things. And those things are really just a way to say thank you. You're not buying a tote bag or a T-shirt. What you are buying is continued access to free speech, non-corporate independent radio in New York City at a time when we really need it. WBAI.org is your place to go for all of these things and to learn more about all the great programs that we have on this station 24-7, WBAI.org. Please do it today. I agree, Celeste. And it's wonderful to hear your sultry voice now that we're dealing over with, over with the Do I tech sound issues. better? Do I sound better this way? I have to, I have to thank our engineer for yeah. coming up with a quick fix there. Thank you, Mr. Jacobs. We appreciate you uh, stepping in for our usual engineer, Reggie Johnson, and for helping us with that tech problem. I know we're going to have our guest joining us in just a few moments here. And uh, I, I know I've kept you all in suspense, but in case you didn't <laughs> catch it on Twitter, our guest coming up will be Jose Martinez. He is transportation reporter reporter for the city. And uh, that is a wonderful, wonderful newsroom, by the way. And you should really check it out. You should give them your support. You should support WBAI. You should support the city. Uh, you know, all of this. But that's going to be a great conversation. But Jeff, while we have people in our clutches here, really, you heard a little <laughs> bit earlier, you heard you heard the, uh, the call out for the station board. You call out uh, the call out for elections and so on. The interesting thing about giving to WBAI is not only do you keep us on the air, but your contract contribution makes you a voting member of this station. It's not like you just get an umbrella or a tote bag or a t-shirt. Wait, we got umbrella. We have umbrellas? Well, actually, we don't have them yet. <laughs> I would but love I that. Thinking, okay, but think about the stuff that you usually get when you give to a public media campaign. What do you get? A coffee mug, a, a beer? cozy or koozie. I don't know. Oh, no, I love our tote bags. I love our tote bags and I still have my BAI masks. I mean, unfortunately, who knows what's going on with COVID. There was the, the uptick. I'm not seeing as much press as I was a few weeks ago on this, yeah, but I, I, that is what is going on with COVID. It is happening. It is more COVID is happening. So uh, look, a BAI mask might not be the worst thing in the world to have in your, in your back pocket, literally or figuratively. But anyway, the main point is WBAI.org is where you go. There is 
a big, huge banner. I think we've done actually a nice update to our website and reconfigured it. It is very, very easy to find out exactly where to donate. You just click the button and you fill everything online. It only takes a moment. It really only takes a moment and is very much a set it and forget it thing. And then you can go on with the confidence of saying, look, I am supporting independent free speech radio right now, WBAI.org. You know, and I'm going to use that phrase moving ahead, Celeste. That's going to be my mantra. Set it and forget it because I say so many foolish things in the course of the day and then I should just forget them and move on. But uh, anyway, you know, I know we're going to have the guests coming on in a, a few moments, but, and, and he's a great reporter. I, you know, I've known him for years. You've known him longer than I have uh, prior to joining the city. He was with uh, New York One News as the transit reporter as well. He's very deeply invested in following our transportation system here in the city, Celeste. Absolutely. And I think then without further ado, with apologies for the delay, but without further ado, we are going to welcome Jose Martinez here to the program. Jose Martinez is transportation reporter for the city and nonprofit newsroom that everybody, everybody should be checking out. Welcome back to the program, Jose. Thank you, Celeste. And thank you, Jeff, for the kind words and for having me on your program. It's always a pleasure to to hear such familiar voices from uh, good times in the past. So we wanted to just jump in here first, you know, for subway surfing, for people who don't know what this is, I know you've read a bunch about it and there's some public campaigns that we're going to get into in just a minute. For, but for people who are just like, what even is that? What even is that? Tell us about it. Subway surfing is a phrase that rather accurately describes what has become an increasing problem here in New York City in recent years. That is especially used to define people who get on top of subway trains, riding on the outside of trains, on the elevated portions of the track, and, well, surfing. Uh, Very dangerous, very foolish, uh, leads to a lot of injuries and fatalities, and it's just not a place to be. Uh, The phrase is also used interchangeably with people who ride outside of trains, holding onto the side of cars, uh, as they move or riding between, uh, walking between cars. Also a precarious position in which to be. Uh, the bottom line is that in between the years of 2019 and 2022, last year, you saw a 90% increase in uh, reports of people riding outside of trains. You, uh, when in 2020, uh, that was, of course, the year when ridership bottomed out between 2020 and 2022, there was a 366% increase in people riding outside of trains. So it's it's a problem. Uh, there have been more fatalities this year, or as many fatalities this year, uh, five at last check, uh, as there were in the five years prior to this. So it is an issue for the riding public. It's the an issue for the uh, transportation agencies. Uh, it's an issue for the police. It's an issue for the city. And, of course, it's a huge issue for the families of these uh, kids. And it's almost and it's often, very often, teenage boys riding outside of trains. It's risky. It's breathtaking. It's foolish. And it's something that the MTA and the city hall, and city hall are making a concerted effort uh, to push back on here. 
Yeah, Jose, and you basically preempted my question about who are these people who are doing this? I mean, obviously, you know, because I've been reading a number of these stories, it's clear it's largely kids, largely males, teenagers. What is driving them to do this? I mean, I've been in preparation for the show is reading a number of stories. You know, it said that subway surfing has been around since at least the 1980s, but basically suggesting that this new generation is drawn to doing this because they want to see reactions from people on social media. Is that largely the factor in this? That's it. Now, think about it. The, the, the name itself, Subway Surfing, there's a, a video game with that name. So it's something that's out there in, in, the, in the public uh, realm. People are familiar with this. But what drives it now and what has really pushed is the explosion of social media, of videos, of the chance for instant gratification, for instant fame, for the opportunity to go viral with shots that are you know, quite striking of someone riding on a J-train as it goes uh, over the Williamsburg Bridge or of someone riding on a number seven train. Uh, these, are, these are images that are striking but also incredibly foolish. And what the MTA, what City Hall, what the NYPD are doing now is working with the social media platforms to try and get some of those videos pulled off almost as soon as they come up. I can't tell you how many times, Jeff, I've sat at, sat at my desk and watched videos and just you're, you're, you're stunned and thinking this is wild that someone's doing this, but there it is, and it's on social media. So the companies, the platforms are now uh, working, coming up with strategies to pull this stuff off, to keep it off of the Internet, off of the social media platforms as soon as it goes up. And the, the MTA and uh, – City Hall told reporters uh, last month that uh, the companies had pulled uh, thousands of clips just in a few months uh, offline of, of people riding outside of trains. So there, there is an effort there. There is a concerted effort. But there's no doubt that when you're 15, uh, especially 15, because I can't tell you how many times I've seen the reports where the person involved in this is, is a teenager – uh, you and, and, and you're up there and you're doing this this nonsensical behavior, but it's it's a draw and and that is part of the appeal for for teenagers who engage in this sort of thing. This is Driving Forces on WBAI New York, 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston here with Jeff Simmons. Our guest right now is Jose Martinez. He is transportation reporter for the city. And Jose, since you mentioned kids, let's talk about these PSAs, this ad campaign that is being mounted right now. It features kids telling other kids to stay inside the trains. And here's just a snippet of how it sounds. I just want my voice to be heard. I want people to like actually hear from a teenager. Maybe my voice can reach other young people who are doing these dangerous acts. Listen. 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 Right inside, stay alive. Right inside, stay alive. Right inside, stay alive. Right inside, stay alive. So that was just a brief clip of part of the uh, public service campaign that is out there trying to uh, use young people, teenagers, to tell other teenagers, look, this isn't cool. It could get you killed. So, uh, Jose Martinez, tell us a little bit more about this campaign. How widespread is it and where are people seeing it? You're hearing it on trains. You're hearing it on platforms. You're hearing it in stations. You're seeing it on display screens. And it's possible that if you get a Metro card, you might see 
that that slogan "Ride Inside, Stay Alive" on your metro card. So it's being pushed uh, with the help of the city schools here uh, and the MTA and the NYPD. It's it's multi-pronged the effort to get that message across: "Ride Inside, Stay Alive." It would seem to make sense, right? You ride inside, you stay alive. Yet here we have seen, as I said earlier, a significant increase. Uh, prior since prior to the pandemic in reports of people riding outside of trains. It uh, it doesn't make any sense, but here we are. And uh, Jose Martinez, I want to ask you about enforcement on this a little bit. You know, just wondering uh, if you think about it, I mean, I'm looking at a train and I'm saying to myself, and you know, maybe I'm not a teenage kid. I'm not, I'm not that limber maybe, but I don't even know how the hell I would get on top of a train. How do you even do that? And I'm just wondering, what is this sort of law enforcement angle on this? Isn't, is this an issue of people? There are just not enough people to watch the trains to prevent people from doing this. I mean, you know, what, what's the sort of the police involvement here? What the police have done is position more officers at stations where you have access to areas where people can get outside. So, for instance, uh, riding uh, on on the line that goes over the Williamsburg Bridge uh, from uh, Delancey Essex in Manhattan over to Marcy Avenue in Brooklyn, a very popular spot. You'll see many videos on that spot uh, of people surfing or at least you used to be able to before the social media companies started flagging them. Uh, but, yeah, you see it. There are just certain areas of the system uh, along the number seven, the elevated in Queens, along some of the elevated stations in the Bronx that seem to be uh, particularly appealing to these daredevils. And that is that is what they are. They're, they're daredevils who, who dare to step up on top of a moving train. So... You're, you're seeing more police in the system in general, and that's for a variety of reasons, for concerns of public safety or concerns over assaults on uh, workers and on the riding public. So you, you have seen an influx of, of police over the last year or two into the subway system. But then you also have them posted in places where they can keep an eye on these things, uh, on, on, on developing situations with kids going on top of trains. But, you know, if, if, if someone wants to get on top of a train they're, and, and, they're, and they're bold enough to do it, they're going to find a way. So they, they tend to, to climb between the cars and then go atop them. And, it, and it's really uh, quite remarkable how quick and uh, how smoothly uh, some of these uh, individuals can move in terms of getting on top of a train and then trying to, to ride it as far as they can. It's uh, not certainly anything uh, recommended. And if you just tuned in, this is Driving Forces with me, Jeff Simmons, and my charismatic co-host, Celeste Katz-Marston, here on WBAI 99.5 FM New York, streaming live as always at WBAI.org. We're talking with Jose Martinez, transportation reporter with the nonprofit newsroom, The City, and he's going to take your calls, 212-209-2877. Once again, give us a call. You can talk with Jose, ask him a few questions, 212-209-2877. Please give us a call. We'll patch you in shortly after uh, we're, we know the, the calls have come in. Jose, you know, what's so interesting as you're speaking about this, 
you know, I'm just thinking of what my mindset was like when I was a teenager and how invincible I felt. And I really feel a lot of this. And when our listeners call in, they could tell me if they feel I'm wrong. But that sense of invincibility, that that might also be something that's leading them to think, I can do this. You know, I'm going to live forever. And that that type of thing, as you get older, you realize, well, you're not invincible. Life goes on so goes by so fast. I'm getting a little philosophical here. Uh, but uh, Jose, what are the penalties? Because do, do they think about this too? Like if say that if Celeste was more limber and was one of those people who got on top of a subway and got stopped by a police officer, what are the type of penalties she would face? Well, in a lot of instances, what you have is warnings from the police. You know, they, they, they keep an eye on stations that are known to have this issue and you, you get warned. Uh, don't do that. You know, you try to encourage people, discourage people rather, uh, from engaging in such behavior. Uh, you can be, uh, charged for this as well. It's obviously a violation of, of, of code of conduct. Uh, it's just something you cannot do in the transit system, but it's got to be, there, there is clearly no greater penalty, uh, than, than meeting your end while riding on top of a subway train. So, that, that, that's got to sink in, uh, and, and that may not be the easiest thing to do when you're talking about teenagers who, who just haven't quite fully figured it out yet. Because as you said, yeah, you're, you, you can feel rather invincible uh, at that age, but there, there is no greater penalty than uh, ending your life prematurely uh, because you chose to climb on top of a subway train and, and, and make yourself uh, a star of a social media video. We're taking your calls at 212-209-2877, 212-209-2877. Our guest right now is Jose Martinez, he's transportation reporter for the city. And Jose, since you're talking about what is happening to these kids, and these could be uh, potentially deadly and have been fatal incidents, want to talk a little bit more about who these kids are. And just want to take a moment before we do that to let people hear from Mayor Eric Adams. Now, here's what Mayor Adams has had to say about subway surfing at a news conference at which he also discussed a series of those new PSAs to keep people inside the trains, not on top of them. Okay, we're going to come back to that clip in just a bit. But um, Jose, tell us about who are these kids? I know there was a 14-year-old kid who lost his life in Sunnyside. Who, you know, have you been able to connect with people who have been involved directly in these subway surfing incidents? I, I have. There was, uh, there was a 14-year-old on the number seven line. There was a, uh, a 15-year-old who lived on the Lower East Side. That was uh, earlier this year. His name was uh, Zachary Nazario. We've spoken with his mother. Uh, and, and, you know, what got me into this, uh, Celeste, was back in 2019, uh, I got a tip that, uh, you know, there were, there were perhaps more uh, incidents of people riding outside of trains than the, than the numbers would suggest. And, and I followed that up with the story on a, a 15-year-old boy from the Bronx who um, was, was killed uh, while riding on top of the number seven train in, in Queens. I ended up doing a, a full uh, feature story about this, this young man speaking with his mother. And I have to tell you, it was uh, pretty grim, pretty sad to hear her describe how 
she had warned her son, do not do this. His older brothers had said, don't do this. And, and this happened because she had seen on a, a televised news clip uh, and what she thought was her son uh, riding on top of the train in a social media video. Uh, soon thereafter, uh, the young man was, was killed on a Saturday night in Queens on top of a number seven train. So this was, you know, she, she said uh, that uh, this was just uh, a young man who, who took chances. And one of his big brothers, and I, and I know I can't use this word on, F, on the air, Jeff, but he said he'd like to uh, kick the boy in, in a part of his body because of, of what he did. And he was, he was angry that the young man had taken this step. So these are just kids who are city kids. They are experimenting. They are doing it in a way that is, um, you, you can't describe it in any other way, but, but risky and foolish, um, taking their lives in their hands and all too often uh, ending, ending in, in, in the worst fate possible. So, again, when I tell you there have been more deaths this year, uh, than there had been in the in the years in several years prior to that. That points to the depth of this problem. It's serious. It's real, and it's something that uh, you know the transit authority, the police department, the schools uh, are working together on to try and get the point across that this is something that needs to really, really stop uh, for the safety of of kids who are so inclined to to try something so wild. And we do uh, now have that clip before we go to the calls. This is a very brief clip of Mayor Eric Adams talking about the the problem of subway surfing and the terrible, terrible outcomes it can cause. Let's hear that clip now. Five New Yorkers over the past year alone to subway surfing and sitting down with family members, loved ones, and classmates. It really sends a chilling impact to you. And I, I remember sitting down doing an interview with a courageous mom. She talks about her son and how energetic he was and not getting that normal check-in just to find out he lost his life to subway surfing. You know, we have to be clear on this. These are our children, and we need to protect them in any way possible. These are young New Yorkers with promising futures that are tragically cut short because of just a prank, just a prank, and how you carry out these pranks, and these pranks, they take lives. And that was Mayor Adams on the issue we're discussing with Jose Martinez of the city on subway surfing. We've got a few phone call calls coming in. Let's just give you that number, and we'll get to the first call, 212-209-2877, 212-209. 209-2877. We've got Jose Martinez, transportation reporter for the nonprofit newsroom, the city here with us. Let's get to that first call. Welcome to WBAI. You are on the air. What is your name and where are you from? And what question or point do you want to raise on our show today about subway surfing? Both question and point. Daryl McPherson, Bronx. Hello, Daryl. 74 years old. The reason I put that in is because along with subway surfing, you used to have people riding on the back of buses when you were able to, when they were shaped differently, and riding outside of the cars. Now, now, the, now since the 50s, and if I, I suggest people go to goodsearch.org, put WBOI in as your cause of choice, and do a search. 
And you'll see that before there was a monetization piece, because now that you can post it on, on online, even though the companies are taking it down, you might go viral. There were, there were always children, usually in a lower economic, uh, lower economic caste, that rode on uh, trains and buses outside the normal way one would want to do that. And so if you're just thinking about surfing in general, that's the thrill. You do it because of the thrill. You do it because of the adrenaline rush and having accomplished something outside the system. So one would think that one of the ways that you could address it is by having uh, some psychological help for those who have that thrill, which is life-threatening. And so I'd like you all to go back to the 50s and 60s. I don't know if they did it in the 40s, but I know there was a lot of extra inside car traveling, Mm -hmm. especially by teenagers. And I've seen adults, me being one of them, back in the old days when you could take the uh, chain link off between cars and jump in the car because the inside car was too crowded. So Thank you, you Daryl. I'm sorry. Bit. Did you have a question? Did you have a question for Jose as well? Uh, um, I really appreciate his reporting, and um, uh, we need to, since we're both not, uh, since BAI and uh, City is, we're both nonprofits. We need to support one another. I'm going to give the commercial again to us uh, through <laughs> Good Shop and Good Search. We could be searching stuff, and it's supporting both entities that are nonprofits. Thank you, Daryl. We really appreciate your call. Thank you so much for calling in. And I think we have another caller on the line. 212-209-2877 is the number to call. 212-209-2877. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston here with Jeff Simmons. Our guest right now is taking your calls. He is Jose Martinez. He is transportation reporter for the city. We're going to go back to the phones. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where you're calling from? My name is Alan Cullen for Lower East Side. I was uh, 75 years old, and when I was, my, my uncle used to drive a train, and I, the fascination was to look out the front window and see where the train is going. So now, over the years, and as I grew up, guys used to get on the back of trolley cars, the, first the old trolley cars, and then the new trolley cars, the, the ones that had the two, two poles with the electric. And they used to take risks, which I never wanted to do. I just wanted to experience drive, riding in the subway. So I was just making that comment with the man, the dovetail with the man was talking about uh, your previous call. Anyway, that's all I have to say. But uh, well, they need to research that because people, what they call follow the, uh, follow the leader. One monkey see, monkey do. So that may have some bearing on what y'all talking about. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for your call. We really do appreciate it. I think we have another caller on the line. Remember the number 212-209-2877. Still taking your calls, 212-209-2877. Going back to the phones, WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hi, Jeff. I do have a question for Jose. I have a question. Why can't they put netting between the subway cars? And also, if they're going to have the expense of air conditioning on stations, why not put partition walls on the platform so this stuff about falling 
over the side and pushing isn't going on. And as far as psychological help for certain people, how can you identify them? I don't know how Daryl's mind works sometimes. Thank you. Thank you for your call. And uh, Jose, what do you think about this idea of having more protective uh, equipment, fencing, netting, that kind of thing, to prevent people from doing something that I think we can all agree they should know not to do anyway? It would it would seem to be common sense, but it doesn't always seem to be that way. And uh, the numbers would point to that being the case, unfortunately. So what you're seeing, and this is going to be extremely limited, consider that there are 470 two subway stations in the city, uh, and the previous caller mentioned putting partitions up on platforms. What you're seeing is some efforts to uh, keep people off the tracks. Uh, You're also seeing an effort, and this is only going to be at three stations where platform doors are going to be tested to keep people from going onto the tracks. But the problem with this is that it's incredibly expensive. It's a difficult feat in terms of the engineering of working around a system that's been in service for more than 100 years. So these are, uh, you know, things that the MTA and the city, the NYPD can try, but it's it's limited in scope. I, I wrote a story in the city.nyc a few months back about an effort that the MTA has taken, and again, it's limited, uh, in an attempt to keep people off the tracks. They put in some lights, blue lights, at uh, a few stations across the system that are supposed to provide what's known as a nudge effect to keep people uh, from wanting to go onto the tracks, to get to them mentally and have them not want to go onto the tracks. Uh, In terms of uh, putting the spikes on top of trains, in terms of I've heard ideas from people saying things like, oh, grease the tops of trains. These are, you know, things that people can say, but you also have to think about the safety. You have to think about the practicality, the reality of it. Uh, the retrofitting of the equipment, none of this uh, comes easily, uh, and, and it also might not be practical. So you know, people will say a lot of things, but what has to get through is the message that this is foolish and potentially deadly, and, and the numbers uh, would, would point to that. Uh, you, 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 as a reporter, you see this over and over. You talk to families over and over. They're all very upset because of what happens to their kids here as well they should be. It's an awful, awful thing uh, to, to, to have to deal with. But the message has got to sink in. And I, I think we're seeing a little bit of that in this uh, public safety campaign that the MTA, City Hall, and, and the NYPD are engaging in. But ultimately, uh, what, what gets through to people is, is something as grim as death. And, and we've seen a lot of that in, in recent years. Uh, from uh, youngsters riding outside of trains, a place where absolutely no one should be. If that message isn't getting through, uh, then that's really unfortunate. But that's the message that has to get through. This this could end very badly. And uh, even if you make a pop on social media, uh, that does not compare to meeting your end on top of the number seven train, on top of the J train. We're talking to Jose Martinez from the city. He's the transportation reporter, has also covered transportation for New York One, has covered the legal system for the Daily News and the New York Post. And we are going back to the phones. 212-209-2877 is the number to call. 212-209-2877. And Jose, by the way, I know we are keeping you way over time here, so I really want to thank you for sticking with us here for just a couple more minutes. We're going to go to the phones right now. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? 
Yeah, this is Detaliano from Riverdale. Um, What's up? Okay, well, uh, I have a question for you, Jose, but I want to make a little statement, observation. Uh, I blame cell phones for this. You know, I mean, uh, not totally. People were doing dangerous things before cell phones. But uh, it's the, the act of, you know, doing it and filming it and doing all of that. Uh, that's a component. It's just something that's so hypnotic. People are hypnotized by this whole thing. They don't know how far down the rabbit hole they are with these cell phone things and what it, what it gets them to do or what mm-hmm. they decide to do with it. Um, here's my question. Were the family of these people, do they have grounds? Were they able to sue the city even though this was an act? Was that, was that possible? Did they sue I'm, the city for death and all that? I'm, I'm right now yeah, recalling. Thanks, thanks for your call. Thanks for your call. Right, really appreciate it. And uh, Jose, we, uh, you know that's a, that's a great question. I'm glad that I'm glad that uh, Italiano brought that up. What is the penalty? I mean, what is you know, is there some legal recourse for this after the fact? You know, I'm really not sure about that one, Celeste. But I do know that in the one instance on the on the Lower East Side, the the young man, his mother talked about filing a, a lawsuit. But I, I don't know that she actually has any recourse there. Uh, given what what happened with her son, but you know, people are, are upset. They 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 they, they want to look in in the direction uh, as to why this happened to them. But uh, you know, ultimately, uh, it's it's a it's a personal choice that uh, unfortunately gets made by um, more often than not, it's going to be young men. Uh, so I, I don't know what legal recourse they have, but they certainly shouldn't be up there. Uh, and they're they're very much breaking the law when they get up there and and taking mm. their lives in their own hands. Very very good point. So we're going to have to wrap up before we go, uh, Jose. You know, Celeste and I and you, we've always been in the media. Even if we, the three of us have been very competitive reporters, we never wanted to see another outlet suffer. And, you know, Celeste mentioned this before about making sure people also support the city. So we, you know, we know that media outlets, you know, have good times and they have bad times. So we want to give you, you know, about 30 seconds, 45 seconds to talk about the value of the city before we close this segment with you. I will tell you right now, I've been a reporter for almost 30 years and the work that I've done in the last five years at the city.nyc is by far the best of my career easily the most impactful uh it's we we want to go in a different direction than anyone else goes we go a little deeper on topics cover things that perhaps don't get the attention that others uh, other topics do and that's how i got onto the topic back in 2019 of subway surfing it's a lot more common to read about it now we were reporting on it in 2019 so that's what we're trying to do at the city we're trying to build an institution and we appreciate all the support that people can provide for us. Uh, It's been a great experience. I I look forward to more time there, and and you can read our work at thecity.nyc. Jose Martinez, thank you so much for joining Celeste and me here on WBAI's Driving Forces today. Jeff, Celeste, always a pleasure. I'll see you soon. 
DC and thanks, Jose. You're listening to WBAI New York, 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston here with Jeff Simmons. This is Driving Forces. So we really want to thank everybody who called in. And I don't know if we, we maybe even have missed some of our callers. We try to get to as many people as we possibly can. But look, we had a great conversation today. We were able to get at a subject that is affecting people. It's affecting people's lives. It is uh, something that has generated the need to spend public money on these uh, public campaigns, law enforcement, safety measures, all these things. This involves you. Even if you, like me and like Jeff, I think, I'm not sure, I think, have never been on top of a subway train, have never gotten hurt in one of these incidents, this affects you. This affects our kids. This affects our city. If you want to keep having these conversations, you have to help us out. Please go to WBAI.org today and give as generously as you can. Please become a BAI buddy in the name of this program. You can also call our handy number 212-209-2950, 212-209-2950. I never believed when I was a child, I would grow up to say this, but operators are standing by. 212-209-2950. Please give today, support independent, non-corporate free speech radio in New York City. And you mentioned being a BAI buddy. We're BAI buddies. We give contributions every month, goes right into our credit card. Most people who do this give about $15, $20 a month. You know, it's an investment in the future of free speech radio. You know, it's not just a tax write-off. You are keeping free speech radio alive here in New York City. We've been around for, what, 60-plus years. I think we're about 65 years now. You can keep us on the air, you know, and we talk about – you know, we ask you for money all the time, but you know what? We have to be able to pay, or at least BAI has to be able to pay the bills. They're not paying a lot of salaries. Most of us, Celeste, me, most of the hosts you hear on WBAI, we are volunteers. We give our blood, sweat, and tears to be able to bring you this type of program, to bring on guests like Jose and all, the, you know, and and provide a range of programming that you really do not hear anywhere else. So I'm going to give you that phone number again and repeat Celeste's line that's taken me back to operators are standing by. Call 212-209-2950, 212-209-2950. And, you know, we're, we're going to give it to you very plainly here. Is this what we want to be talking about on the radio? When, when I thought I wanted to get into radio, I wanted to be able to do a program someday, even do a program with Jeff Simmons. I didn't say to myself, what I'd like <laughs> to do is get on the radio and ask people for money over and over again. I don't want to do that. You don't want to hear it. We want to do a program here in this hour about politics, about public policy, about public safety, about schools, about the way we live, the way we work, the way we interact with each other. That's what we want to talk about on this program, but we can't do it without your help. Please, 212-209-2950, 212-209-2950. Pick up the phone or pick up your phone and go to WBAI.org. Help us out. Help us keep free speech, non-corporate, independent media alive in New York City. So, Jeff, as we come into the uh, the final stretch of today's program here, uh, do we have any uh, important announcements about anything coming up? I think we have some good programming on the way. 
We do, we do, actually. The issue I mentioned near the top of the show, it's going to be our key issue this Sunday on City Watch at 8 in the morning. My co-host Carlos Menchaca and I are going to be continuing the discussion about the surge of asylum seekers who've come to the city in the last year and the mayor's move to suspend New York City's long-standing obligation to provide shelter anyone who needs it. Joining us will be a guest you've heard here before on Driving Forces, thanks to Celeste David Giffen, the executive director of the Coalition for the Homeless, and a programming note about next week. This one is very personal for me and Celeste. We, you know, Celeste mentioned the topics that we would like to discuss, but Celeste and I are both animal lovers. We've had pets throughout our lives. We get flooded with calls whenever we do a show about animals. So next week, we're going to be joined by Sarah Bader, author of the book of Pet Love and Loss. And frankly, this is a bit cathartic for me because I've lost both of mine this summer. And then after we finish with Sarah, Katie Hansen of the Animal Care Centers of New York City is going to join us. Not sure if you know about this, but the city's shelter system has been hit with a deluge of animals being dropped off like never before. She's going to talk about how they're adjusting to this and also offer counsel on what you should know if you're considering adopting a pet. We want to thank today's special guest, Jose Martinez. Thanks to our studio engineer today, Mr. Jacobs, and to all of our wonderful listeners and callers. Extra special thanks, of course, of course, to everyone who will go to WBAI.org today, right now, to support this station and this program. That's WBAI.org. If you missed any part of this show or if you'd like to share it or subscribe, we upload every edition to Apple, SoundCloud, and everywhere you get your favorite podcasts. This has been Driving Forces with Celeste Katz. It's Marston and Jeff Simmons. Thanks for listening and stay tuned to WBAI for more great programming. See you on the radio.